Welcome to Capital Close-Up. I'm your host, Paul Hodes. We're broadcast on WKXL AM and FM in Concord, New Hampshire, and now 101.9 in Manchester, New Hampshire. We're podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're listening to this on our feed or on the Beyond Politics podcast feed, please make sure to subscribe, like us, tell your friends about it, and post on social media. We really appreciate it. Well, this has been a historic week. Um, the uh, the four-letter word hope is rearing its head for the first time in a long time on many different fronts. And our next guest, Max Rickman, uh, will have something to tell us about the cause for hope. Max Rickman was born in Munich, Germany, grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. He graduated cum laude from Harvard College. He's got a law degree from Georgetown University Law School. Uh, he's the former staff director of the Senate Special Committee on Aging and a 16-year veteran of Capitol Hill. He is president and CEO of the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare, one of the nation's most influential senior advocacy and education membership organizations. Now, as president of the committee, Mr. Rickman has testified before House and Senate committees, provided expert political and policy commentary during appearances on every major network. Um, he's participated in hundreds of congressional town hall meetings across the country and has been a featured speaker during numerous national and state conferences on aging. When I was in Congress, I was very proud uh, to call Max Rickman a friend and work as closely as I could with the committee on the issues uh, that the committee works on. And Max, it's just a delight to welcome you back to Capitol Close-Up. Well, thank you so much, Paul. And I do remember those uh, days when you served in the House of Representatives and we collaborated on, on a lot of very important issues and policies. And uh, we've missed you, Paul. <laughs> Well, that's nice of you to say, you know, I think everybody who's still working on the Hill and in and around government is required to say that to former members. Um, we, we've interviewed uh, on our Beyond Politics show uh, an awful lot of, of former members. And, and without fail, everybody always says to me, gee, Paul, we miss you. Now, that may be. But even if it's not, it's really nice to hear because. I I loved my job as a, a member of Congress, and we got an awful lot done. So, well, uh, for me, for yeah. me, saying that is it's not a, it's not a requirement. It's really an honor for yeah. me to say that. So, well, thanks, and thank you for having me on your program. Of, of course, you know we're I I have now achieved uh, senior status, and I am uh, happily on Medicare and have been for a few years. Um, for me, Medicare has been a tremendous success. Knock on, I'm knocking on my head here virtually because I'm knocking on wood, uh, you know, my, that my health stays, stays good, but Medicare has worked uh, seamlessly for, for me. Uh, but in general, the living costs for seniors have been escalating. We're 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 battling some serious inflation now, uh, but um, living costs, especially for medical and long term care, are, are up. Prices of prescription drugs 
have skyrocketed. Um, many seniors are forced to cut pills in half or skip medications altogether. Um, there's a lack of access to affordable home care. Um, it, it creates a tremendous burden for the average Americans who are also trying to meet family caregiving needs because we've also got an aging uh, population. Um, so there are lots of folks who are faced with impossible choices, staying in their jobs to pay for necessary prescription medications or staying home to provide care for their loved ones, um, but uh, they can't afford to have any, any help. So overall, the rising costs and these challenges have forced many out of the workforce, and it certainly uh, dims the economic outlook in general. Uh, for the future. And so that has been uh, what we've faced for a while. Now, the context for our show today, Max, is that we have some very good news. Uh, there appears to be a Senate deal made between reluctant Joe Manchin and um, uh, Majority Leader Schumer for some relief on a longstanding issue. Uh, around negotiating drug prices for Medicare. There's still a long way to go. But before we get to the, the agreement and look ahead to the passage of the bill, can you give our listeners some background about Medicare and negotiating for drug prices um, and uh, the costs of Medicare and just some historical context about how we got to where we got uh, the, in the present situation, um, which is that as of today, still, uh, Medicare uh, can't negotiate drug prices, uh, but we're hoping that will change. But give us some of the background. Sure. Well, happy to do that, Paul. And, and uh, you know, you're not alone in, in extolling the importance and virtues of, of the Medicare program. I hear it all the time. In your introduction, you mentioned that I've done hundreds, maybe thousands of town hall meetings over the last 25 or 30 years, mostly with members of Congress. And Medicare uh, is referred to as a lifeline, as is Social Security. Medicare is not perfect. There are gaps in Medicare. For example, there's no coverage for dental, vision, and hearing, which we have been working on for many years, and I'll get to that in, in a minute. But also, as you mentioned, the, so many Medicare beneficiaries have to make choices. Do I take the entire pill that I'm supposed to take? Do I cut it in half to make it last longer? Do I skip today or skip tomorrow in order to stretch out my prescription because it's too expensive? So we are, as you pointed out, on the verge, not there yet, on the verge of uh, holding down the cost of medicine uh, for Medicare beneficiaries. It's a long, uh, tortuous road to get to this point. Going back to 2003, uh, that was the time when Medicare added a prescription drug benefit uh, to its uh, program. The Congress passed legislation creating the Part D Medicare benefit, which covered prescription drugs. We had, had advocated for that, as had many other senior groups, for years. 
but it was not had not be- become a reality until 2003. So <clears throat> I happened to be in the House Gallery where you served uh, the night that the legislation creating a Medicare Part D uh, benefit was uh, being discussed, debated, and voted on. I was there till about one o'clock, and I went home for a few hours, uh, turned on the news in, in the morning, and found out that a deal had been made to in- expand Medicare to cover prescription drugs. But guess what? In the middle of the night, sometime between the time I left and when I woke up, a deal was made that, yes, the pharmaceutical companies agreed, finally, Medicare can cover prescription drugs. We accepted it. However, a specific provision was inserted in that legislation that uh, made it impossible uh, precluded negotiation for prescription drugs between uh, the Medicare program and the pharmaceuticals. So you you know who was in the room when that was made. That deal was cut. It wasn't the National Committee to Preserve Social Security, Medicare. It was the pharmaceutical industry. And we've been trying ever since 2003 to change that. Why? There's a lot of money involved a lot of savings to Medicare beneficiaries if negotiation is possible, and a lot of money involved to the pharmaceutical companies, profit that they would not make. Uh, and that's why this battle has raged on. Now, we are, as you pointed out, on the verge of a deal, another deal. It sounds like a much better deal uh, where we have the votes necessary in the Senate, 50-50 Senate, the vice president breaks the tie. Uh, we have, I think, with, with Senator Manchin on board, uh, the, the hope, as you used it, to get this legislation across the finish line. And we can talk about the benefits, about uh, negotiation, what that means, what would be negotiated, what drugs would be negotiated. Uh, the, the savings that could be involved. And I hope we can get into that. But at the, before I do, we do that, there is a little bit of breaking news. I don't know if you've heard of it yet up where you are, but it appears that when, when this deal was announced a couple of days ago, the cap on the cost of insulin and the inclusion of insulin in these negotiated prices was not part of it. Uh, according to uh, some reports that came out uh, late yes, late last night and early this morning, y- including an indication from your Senator Shaheen that insulin uh, cost controls will be ba- will be included in this package. We don't we don't know, or at least I don't know if that means it'll be subject to the negotiation or it will be a, a, a part of a, a restricted uh, price uh, effort, similar to what passed the House not long ago, which capped the price of insulin at $35 a month, as opposed to many hundred dollars a month that it now costs. So we'll, we'll see, we'll probably know later today exactly how that plays out.
You know, there there are a couple of things I wanted to reflect on. Um, we yeah, on our shows, we we kind of like to go uh, beyond politics under the hood um, and talk about um, some of the some of the deep backstory uh, of what of what what goes on. And it because a lot of a lot of listeners um, see what happens on the surface in, in Congress and they hear about deals being cut, but they don't often really get to understand just uh, how how the game can be played. And so the first thing I, I want to talk about is how the game was played in 2003, because in the middle of the night, there on the floor of Congress, uh, what played out was a pretty extraordinary scheme. You can, uh, from your remarks, Max, uh, I think our listeners can grasp just how fierce the opposition uh, to uh, the new Part D uh, uh, negotiate, no, negotiating drug prices for Part D, how fierce the opposition by the pharmaceutical companies must have been. Because it, it, think about it this way. Uh, Medicare is a government program. Uh, believe it or not, there are people who may not understand that it's a government program. And the government actually um, provides a, a huge amount and pays for a huge amount of the health care in this country for government workers, for veterans, through Medicare, through Medicaid. Um, the U U.S. federal government actually subsidizes an awful lot of our health care in this country, something like 55 or 60 percent in our kind of patchwork still employer based system and 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 we had a lot of discussion around that when uh, we were um, creating and passing obamacare back in uh, 2010 um and it was very much on our minds when we passed obamacare to think about this issue about negotiating drug prices because what happened was it was a very very close uh, vote and what the pharmaceutical company did uh, in addition to their lobbying was they made a deal with um, at, at the last minute, at the 11th hour, they made a deal with a congressman. And uh, my recollection is his name was uh, Bernie Tozen, I think. And um, uh, Billy, they Billy, Billy, to to Billy Tozen, right? And the, the, somehow what happened was in the middle of the night uh, with uh, a significant amount of arm twisting and a significant amount of deal making from the pharmaceutical companies, the prohibition against the government negotiating for Medicare drug prices, just like it is able to negotiate uh, for 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 the health care for veterans, um, for uh, for other programs, uh, that prohibition uh, passed or 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 was put in along with the benefit and. Soon thereafter, Billy Tozen became the head lobbyist of the pharmaceutical industry. Um, if there was ever an example, to my mind, of uh, the corruption side of the moral imperative of serving in Congress, that seems to be, in my mind, one of the prime historical examples of uh, why there need to be restrictions against going to work for lobbyists on the very issue uh, that you're voting on and the corrupting influence of money and power on our politics. And and yes, it can work with 
uh, on both uh, with both parties. And there are plenty of examples to go around. But, uh, you know, this was a Republican congressman whose vote was the key vote uh, to prevent negotiating on Medicare, who then goes to work as the chief lobbyist for the for the for the industry that wants to stop the negotiation. Um, I, I won't I won't go further, but just to say, folks, follow the money when you take a look at legislation. And the only second thing I want to point out about what you said was, it's very interesting to me that uh, my uh, our New Hampshire senator, um, uh, Senator Shaheen, is the one who announced the deal on insulin. For her, um, this is also an issue of of uh, uh, a, a very deeply personal issue and not in a bad way uh, because um, uh, she has a granddaughter, a wonderful, talented uh, actress um, and singer now making a career who has uh, struggled with diabetes um, her whole life in a, in a, in both uh, in, in, in a document, well-documented book, um, uh, and an awful lot of Facebook postings. So Senator Shaheen knows firsthand what it means to struggle with diabetes and need to have insulin and need to control the costs of insulin. So that breaking news, Max, is, is, is really important to millions of Americans. So just two comments, Paul. First of all, your, your, um, description of what happened uh, with the legislation and Congressman Billy Tozan. He wasn't just a rank and file member. He was the chairman of the Energy and Commerce Committee. There were two committees that had jurisdiction over this Medicare uh, drug legislation. It was uh, Energy and Commerce and the Ways and Means. So he wasn't a backbencher. He was one of the two key players. And that whole scenario, the way it played out, uh, and when he finished that term and signed up to be the uh, head of the pharma, the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturing Association, the trade association, <clears throat> making millions of dollars. In my, in my family, Paul, they would call that, we would call that chutzpah. <laughs> we would right? too. Yeah, you would too. Um, but be that as it may, that's what happened, and and we have struggled to change that prohibition to get rid of it <clears throat> ever since two thousand three. And and uh, as we said at the outset, be happening uh, in a vote in the Senate uh, next week, and and I regard for. <clears throat> Uh, I'm not surprised at her leadership on this issue. Uh, I didn't know about her granddaughter, uh, but she uh, is has a long history of uh, doing the right thing on behalf of and, and all of her constituents. She and Susan Collins have been working on trying to get a standalone people to hold down uh, cost of insulin. And as of yesterday, they had not been able to get enough Republicans on board their plan to uh, uh, to stop the filibuster. 
As many of our listeners may have heard, there's a deal that has been struck between uh, Senator Joe Manchin, who was holding up uh, important legislation, and Majority Leader Schumer to advance a bill um, that has been styled as an inflation reduction bill. Uh, It's kind of uh, build back better light, but nobody wants to say that. Um, But and while many of its provisions deal with energy security and climate change and other issues, there are significant health care and health care reform provisions in the bill. So, Max, let's uh, turn our attention to the bill. Um, uh, tell us how we got here. How did we get to this to this agreement? Well, this was a surprise to a lot of us in Washington. Uh, we assumed that uh, a deal was beyond reach, uh, having gotten close a few times over the last year. Senator Manchin um, had. Uh, some issues with previous versions, as you know, of this uh, this legislation. And uh, uh, somehow, uh, in negotiating with Senator Schumer, it was very quiet. It was it was uh, not known by many people. We had no idea when we uh, got the news uh, that a deal had been struck. Now, as as you know, nothing's done until everything's done. So this still has to, this proposal is now before the Senate parliamentarian to ensure that it meets the rules required on this budget. This is a budget a legis- piece of legislation called reconciliation. And there are certain guidelines that have to be met. Uh, I'm hoping that they've uh, the parties involved have vetted this pretty carefully and feel confident that the parliamentarian will sign off on it, but we'll know that in a couple of days. And, uh, and then the Senate will take a vote next week. I'm told that the uh, Speaker of the House will call the House back. Uh, they, they recessed, they're going to recess today. We'll call the House back to um, act on the legislation once the Senate passes it, and then it's off to the, to the president's desk. So, as, as I as I said, uh, this caught all of us, the people that I know, off guard, uh, and and we're very very happy that some uh, pro- progress has been made. Is this bill all that we wanted as a senior advocacy group? No, but it is a significant start. It saves a lot of money for the government. It saves a lot of money for Medicare beneficiaries. Frankly, uh, we would have preferred to have some of those savings by the government invested in adding some very important benefits to the Medicare program. As I mentioned, hearing, dental, and vision are not part of Medicare. And you, you, having been on Medicare now for a few years, know that full well. Uh, But uh, the savings are uh, going to be applied towards deficit reduction for the most part. And uh, we're going to have to fight another day to add the benefits I just mentioned to the Medicare program. So the the legislation will direct the Secretary of Health and Human Services to establish a price negotiation program. And this will be done by creating a list 
list of drugs that are eligible for negotiation. Uh, we would have preferred an across-the-board uh, ability by the government to negotiate, but that's not exactly what's going to happen. There will be a list of drugs. Uh, there will be 10 drugs uh, that will be subject to negotiation at the beginning of, of 2026. The actual process will begin next year. Uh, and that goes up to about 20 drugs in 2029. Now that that's not leaves out a lot of drugs, but it will include the most expensive drugs that are out there. The, the ones that really um, economically hurt, financially hurt beneficiaries, cancer treatment drugs and such. So as I said, we would, we would have preferred a broader set of negotiations uh, on, on a larger number of drugs, but this is a very, very important first step. And uh, those uh, pharmaceutical companies that refuse, there's there are going to be teeth in this legislation. Those companies that refuse uh, to uh, hold down the, the price of drugs they will have to rebate the government uh, any increases that exceed inflation. Uh, you know, Paul, I saw a statistic that really startled me a couple of days ago. <clears throat> if in the inflation on prescription drugs since 2019 has gone up five times the rate of general inflation, wow. if, if the price of milk had gone up, since 2019, as much as pharmaceutical companies, just to give you an idea of the magnitude of that in inflation on drugs, a gallon of milk would cost $14 today. Uh, or what about a gallon of gas? Gallon I mean, of gas. E even with the price increases we've seen in gas, the rise in the prices of prescription drug drugs actually absolutely dwarfs uh, the price of gas and and frankly since seniors and senior you know though are more likely to need the prescription drugs um, it impacts uh, folks like me more disproportionately to almost anything else in the economy absolutely uh, you know the other there, there are many important provisions in this legislation, and I, and I, I just wanted to mention one. The, uh, the out-of-pocket uh, cost for Medicare beneficiaries in, in starting in 2025 is capped at $2,000 a year. That is a godsend right, to... Right. to to so many people who uh, are forced to go to go bankrupt to uh, pay for medication that is keeping them alive, so that's a very important uh, change in in the legislation uh, as it affects the, the cost of prescription drugs. So it, it, uh, it strikes Max. It strikes me that the cap capping the out of pocket costs um, is is a little bit of balance to your point that not all the drugs that we would have liked to see covered by the negotiation provisions are, are going to be 
included. It seems that capping the out-of-pocket costs kind of is a bit of a counterbalance to the uh, lack of inclusion of all the drugs. Yeah, I think that's, this was obvious. There was a lot of, uh, it's negotiating, the, the senators involved were negotiating very, for a long time on getting this bill, dealing with Medicare uh, prescription drug negotiations. And, uh, as, and as I said at the, a number of times, it's, it's not all that we wanted, but it is a huge, huge improvement. And I wanted to make one point here, because you're going to hear, as we have heard on television uh, and in, in the ads, the pharmaceutical companies have been promoting for a long time, and in their testimony uh, before Congress on this issue, they claim they need to make all this money in order to have the resources to do the research that will they, they can uh, use uh, to bring these life-saving drugs to market. We did a little analysis on the amount of money uh, these pharmaceutical companies spend on research and development and on sales and marketing. You won't be surprised. I'll, I'll mention a couple. This is in 2020. Novartis spent $14 billion on sales and marketing, $9 billion on research and development. GlaxoSmithKline, $15 billion that year on sales and marketing, billion compared to $7 billion on research and development. And, and I could go on and on. Uh, uh, but, in most you know, cases, companies yeah. spend twice as much on, on uh, sales and marketing. And on, on top of all that, so much of this basic research is paid for by our government. And then we're prohibited yeah. from negotiating with, to get a, a good deal. You know, I mean, look, I watch television um, and uh, there are some people who've cut the cord, but I watch television and the number of drug ads that I see on the various shows uh, I watch uh, is just startling. It's, um, you know, the the, the it's it's uh, it's phones, fast food, cars and drugs. And 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 and, you know, I generally have no idea the drug ads are about, but they keep coming in in relentlessly pounding us. And just to follow up on the point you made, there's a new study from the America America's health insurance plans uh, about the spending on advertising and sales by big pharma as opposed to R&D. And let's not forget that this comes even amid the absolute unprecedented uh, effort during COVID to develop uh, new new treatments. And this study found that uh, they, they looked at 10 drug manufacturers, spent, seven of them spent more on selling and marketing than they did on research and development um, by approximately 37 um, percent. It's absolutely outrageous for the drug companies to then come before Congress and start whining about their profits when their profits have been through the roof and they continue to relentlessly market drugs, which may you know may or may not be needed but the idea of marketing spending so much of their money on at marketing and advertising when they should be spending it on R&D seems pretty outrageous when i was in congress 
I tried to uh, create legislation uh, which would have amended the tax rules in this country to say that, yes, companies can deduct uh, from their profits, necessary and business or ordinary and necessary business expenses. But let's take away the deduction uh, for uh, television uh, advertising from the drug companies uh, for as a necessary, ordinary and necessary business expense. And that was on that was 12 years ago uh, or more when I got to Congress. And and it's only expand. The problem has only expanded since then. It's it's a real it's a real problem, and it's more than an annoyance um, because uh, drug companies have been uh, making it hand over fist, uh, but they and they ought to be investing in R and D. Well, I, of course, I agree with you completely, and uh, uh, we're bombarded by these ads for uh, prescription drugs. The only thing that comes close is all the ads for Medicare Advantage plans, where you see. Uh, sports and, and entertainment celebrities uh, pitching uh, Medicare Advantage. But th those are the, those two. And, you know, I watch those, you know, Paul, I watch those prescription drug commercials. And, and if you listen carefully at the very end and you're warned about all the side effects, which, <laughs> which are run through very quickly, if you pay attention, you, you would really be reluctant to take any of these medicines but i know i know you know it's like if you turn into a werewolf call your doctor if you die um make sure that you let somebody know i mean it's it, it's yeah i don't mean to be you know but but you, sometimes humor is the only saving grace yeah. when you're dealing with something as absurd as what we're dealing with here um so max what i want to let's just focus for a second on some of the financial effects uh overall and uh, what it actually means to to people to have this provision assuming that this is going to pass the the new agreement this new uh bill um oh is a deficit reduction bill that overall reduces the deficit and uh it is projected that prescription drug pricing reform um even though it's just a start is going to save 288 billion dollars um uh so it's really in a way it's a revenue raiser uh, for the government because it saves 288 billion dollars um, uh, and uh, in in addition, the legislation also lowers health care premiums on Obamacare for millions of Americans. So not only do we have a a bill where the health care provisions are fiscally responsible, I mean, fiscally responsible folks, let's just make sure that we all agree that Democrats are passing a deficit reduction bill. Uh, they are helping uh, uh, citizens uh, who are on Medicare with um, with negotiating drug prices and capping out of pocket costs, lowering affordable health care premiums for millions of Americans for a significant period of time. Um, and it, 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 you know, as as a Democrat, I will say it, it 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 seems to me pretty consistently that Republicans drive us into a deep hole of deficits and debt, and it's Democrats who take action uh, uh, 
to to get us out of it, which frankly is contrary to all the messaging we hear. But the reality is this bill will save significant amount of money. And what's going to be the impact on 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 folks who are on Medicare of this legislation, Max? You know, Paul, I don't think anybody I certainly can't answer that with any specificity because we don't know yet which drugs are going to be included. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do know that we start off with 10 drugs in 2026 going up to 20 in 2029. The only thing that I know for certain is uh, these, uh, these will be the drugs that the Secretary of Health and Human Services deems most expensive, the ones that cost the most, that are going to go right to the heart of the issue, which is the the awful out-of-pocket cost for beneficiaries. So while I can't uh, give you exactly uh, any information, which drugs and the savings on those drugs, they will will clearly be substantial. You mentioned um, the, the veterans. This has been a policy in the Veterans Administration for decades because it makes sense. And they probably, the Veterans Administration probably were able to get that in before pharma was able to uh, go to work and, and kill that plan. But this has been uh, a success in, in the uh, Veterans Administration, the idea of negotiating for the best price. And, and I believe it will be a success uh, with the Medicare program. And yes, if in fact, the bill is called the uh, Inflation Reduction uh, Act. And that really is, um, Joe Manchin, uh, to, to his credit, he has uh, been consistent about wanting any uh, legislation, the reconciliation legislation, address um, the deficit. Now, again, we would have preferred to have some of those savings, and they are substantial, almost $300 billion um, that will be saved by the government. It's part of paying for prescription drugs. Uh, we would have liked to have some of that uh, redirected towards uh, beginning to cover hearing, dental, and vision in Medicare. And I, I thought we were close at one point with at least coverage for hearing aids and and uh, uh, hearing assessment. Uh, but that apparently is not going to uh, be part of this legislation. But overall, uh, I look forward to the Senate voting on this next week, the House coming back uh, very soon thereafter, uh, approving it and having it become law. Uh, it's way past time. This We should not have had to spend uh, almost 20 years trying to change this uh, uh, awful prohibition on negotiating prescription drugs that has that has uh, crippled so many uh, Medicare beneficiaries. Well, you know, I will say this as as a former member who who got a pretty quick in um, education in how Congress works or doesn't work. Um, you know, we, in the recent headlines, um, and 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 I think the feelings of most people have been that uh, our government is broken, that we have been dealing um, uh, with a radical right wing fringe, which has tried to stop progress uh, where wherever they could. The latest um, example is the truculent 
um, reprisal by the Republicans on uh, providing help for our veterans who have been exposed to the toxic effects of burn pits uh, during their service, most most notably in in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, veterans coming down with all kinds of awful effects from these toxic burn pits where uh, it's just unspeakable. And, and the Republicans, for whatever their their reasons, whether strategic or out of peak and child childish immaturity decided to vote against it that it you know you could say that there's an example of 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 congressional dysfunction and a lot of people thought that it was in it was in a taking revenge on democrats for 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 making this deal this deal that includes um prescription drug pricing reform corporate minimum tax legislation um uh energy security and climate change um uh, all kinds of very important and crucial crucial pieces of legislation but this bill is an example of government working and frankly it's democrats working for the people joe manchin has been um you know he's he's not been a favorite stepchild of the left um uh, and and of course this legislation doesn't do everything that uh we would like to see and i can't think of any legislation except maybe legislation i passed that that would that would do everything everything you want but even though it's taken a long time, especially at this time when government dysfunction seems to be the name of the game um, in, the, in, in a minute or so that we have left, this seems to be an example of the government working, answering the need of citizens and and getting very, very important legislation done that starts us on the right road. Your thoughts? Well, my thoughts uh, are that, I, first of all, I agree with your summation. And, and secondly, uh, after listening to you, Paul, for the last 45 minutes, I'll go back to what I said at the outset. We missed you in Washington. Your, your thoughtfulness, your intelligence, your energy, uh, we miss that here. And I'm glad, I'm glad you're enjoying your life. I look at the backdrop on the video and you tell me that's uh, you're a couple miles away from that scene. So uh, at, while we do miss you, we we're we're glad that you're in, having a wonderful, wonderful life. Well, Max, thanks. We're going to we're going to let you go. Uh, thank you so much for joining us to help us make sense of what's happening in Medicare and what's going to happen. We hope when this new bill uh, passes to lower prescription drug prices, um, and give some uh, further help to Americans on the Affordable Care Act. We've been talking with Max Rickman. Max is the president and the guy who leads the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare. He's had a big hand in making sure that things are getting better. Um, Max, thanks again. We'll talk again. And please keep up the good work. This is Capital Close-Up. I'm Paul Hodes. We'll see you next time.